Hello and welcome back to What's the Play. Danny and Sosa are back and we're in past week eight of the NFL season. It's crazy how fast it goes by. It's so, it hurts so much because I love the NFL so much and it just comes and then boom, it's gone. But we've got a lot to discuss. It's been a pretty crazy season so far, as you'd expect, considering the circumstances. And yeah, just a lot to talk about. We're going to run through our biggest surprise and our biggest disappointment at kind of this halfway point. We're also going to discuss our top three MVP candidates. And we're also going to cover the notable games for week nine. So I can go first with my biggest surprise this season. And that is Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I expected Brady to play well, like coming to a new team and just with the weapons that Tampa Bay has. But it's the way that it's kind of come about that has been really surprising to me. Because with no offseason, with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans being injured all the time, he's still been playing amazing and has been putting up big numbers. And the defense as well has also bought into this culture that, you know, we're not scrubs anymore. We're in the hunt for a championship and we need to raise our level. We need to raise our game. And they've been looking fantastic. They're sitting at six and two and on top of the NFC South with a big showdown coming up this Sunday that we'll discuss. And it's just, it's been crazy to see. Just, I expected Brady to play well, but I didn't expect the whole team to be collectively, arguably the best team in the NFC. Yeah, uh, Brady's been really impressive so far. Got handed to him. Um, Tampa Bay's been playing lights out. Obviously, we saw them struggle in the first couple of games as everybody was getting like used to, uh, obviously, the new quarterback um, and the system being a little bit different. But you could definitely see that as soon as he started getting more comfortable that um, and like some guys were getting healthier, that things started rolling. So definitely... Um, Definitely a contender in the NFC for sure. Um, and that, that's definitely been been a, a big surprise this year so far. Um, I have as my biggest surprise the Pittsburgh Steelers being undefeated halfway halfway through the season. Uh, we both had them. We both had like really big questions about how good Big Ben would still be coming off the injury. And I don't think all those questions have been completely answered, but... I also think the defense has just been so good that it almost doesn't matter. Um, I, I Like I said, I think in the previous part, I, I think is the best de- defense in football. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's particularly close. And the offense is able to do just enough to win all these games, obviously, because they have, they haven't lost a game yet. Um, and that, that, that team has been really impressive. The most, the most recent win against the Ravens uh, was really close, but, as usual, they were able to pull away. So Pittsburgh being um, a really good team so far, I would say after having beating Baltimore, the second best team in the AFC, um, is something that has been a been a big surprise for me so far. Yeah, for sure. We definitely had our questions about Big Ben, and we are still going to have questions about him because really, when you look at this roster, he's the only thing that we're concerned about. Will he be yeah. able to not throw the game away as he did in that Tennessee game? And they were able to just barely scrape out of it with that missed field goal. 
And that's still the biggest worry for this team. But, you know, I got to give him his credit. He's been playing well. He's been clutching out those big third downs that that team has needed. And we'll see going forward if they can lock up the number one seed in the AFC, because I think that's going to be vital, very vital for them if they want to get to the Super Bowl, because I can't see them going to Kansas City and winning, even with no fans or, um, you know, considering the circumstances. I still think they really need home field advantage. Yeah, like another quick point, I think. I think you're 100% right about Big Ben still. Like, I, I think it's still yet to be seen if he's going to be able to do it all the time, um, especially because, like, you look at the previous game, like, the uh, the Baltimore Ravens were actually able to run the ball quite effectively against them. Um, and Lamar makes that last throw, and Pittsburgh probably loses the game. So I think I think he does need to be a bit better than he has been. Um, and I don't know if he has, if he has it in, in him, but... Like whether it's been a bit lucky, things have been a bit lucky when you look at the Titans game. Things have been a bit lucky when you look at the Ravens game. They were still able to win it, and an undefeated team halfway through the season d- deserves their credit. So, um, I, I think that's why that's why we we have him have the Pittsburgh Steelers so so high this year. For sure, and when you look at their schedule, they've only got to play the Ravens one more time. They've got to play the Bills. Got to play the Colts, but those are all very winnable games. Yeah, and... where's the loss? Where's the loss? This might be like... Yeah, that's that's what we're wondering. I think I think Ben, Big Ben, will have a game where he's just atrocious and throws like three picks, <laughs> and they lose. That that might be where the loss comes, but these they should be winning these games. Yeah, we're we're out, like on the exact same page on this. Like, I think they'll drop a game somewhere. Like. There's, there's uh, some team is gonna come in and have have their best day against them, and then they're gonna have a mediocre day to a bad day, and uh, the loss is gonna come somewhere. Maybe, maybe it comes from the Colts having a good day. Maybe it comes from Baltimore coming back for revenge. Um, I, I think that's definitely, definitely more likely than not to happen. I think they definitely should have a loss, maybe even two down the stretch. So, yeah, and yeah. you also mentioned that. Teams are going to play them well, and they're going to be the hunted now. Everyone knows you're mm-hmm. undefeated, seven and zero. Everyone wants to be the the first team to beat you, and everyone's gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna get their best shot every week. And will they be able to handle that? And will they be able to handle the pressure? Yeah, that's what happened with San Francisco last year. Once th- things were getting into the last quarter of the season, everyone was like, people were really playing up, playing up to that team. So I, I think that's going to start happening in Pittsburgh for sure. Mm-hmm. And moving on to my biggest disappointment this season is definitely Bill Belichick. I have just been so disappointed with the way he's handled this whole situation. And this roster has been mismanaged really from the beginning of last, the last offseason in 2019, where, you know, Gronk retires. He doesn't try and find a replacement. He, he, he lost Hogan. The offense is just completely atrocious last year. And then you go into another year and it's still the exact same thing. I just cannot fathom how a a coach, a GM of this caliber lets a problem. That was the reason that team didn't win the Super Bowl last year is because there was no one in that offense who was a playmaker. 
except for Edelman, but of course he dealt with the rib injury, the knee injury, which has carried on into the season as well. And now he's missing games. And it's just unbelievable the excuses he's been making. He's talking about, oh, we we loaded up, we won three Super Bowls, we went to four, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, your job is to have a plan regardless. Even if you load it up, you're supposed to have a fallout plan for the next few years. You're not just supposed to fall off the the face of the face of the earth. That's not the Patriot way. That's not what Robert Kraft is paying you all that money to do. That's not what your pedigree has been your entire career. And it, it's really crazy. I know there have been the COVID opt-outs with really the there were only three key players missing, which were Hightower, Chung, and Marcus Cannon. And Marcus Cannon has been replaced stellarly by Onwenwu, who is the highest graded offensive rookie this year, which that's been a steal. Really big surprise. He's been playing amazing. Really all over the offensive line. You can slot him in a right tackle, right guard. He's unbelievable. So that's been a bright spot for this season, at least. But this team is just, there's no talent. And that's Belichick's fault for not managing this roster. I know Cam has not, Cam has definitely not been playing well, but what quarterback is going to look good <laughs> in that in that system with those players? Brady didn't, he didn't look, he didn't look that great. And that's the greatest quarterback of all time. So what would you expect Cam, who has been having his struggles? And I know his mechanics has been slipping. And I know he fumbled that last game away, but it's on Bill for this roster. Yeah, I mean, he fumbled that last game away, but it shouldn't have been that close. Um, yeah, I have to agree with you here. I think something that's really important to note in Bill's character that, that you were talking about in terms of, you know, talking about all their accomplishments um, and going into the season, you know, complimenting players, complimenting Cam so much. That isn't typical Bill Belichick. That's not really his his character. He's usually a, doesn't talk about that kind of stuff. So now that he kind of feels like he has to defend himself or he's acting a little bit out of character, it's definitely very concerning and it's a, just a little bit weird um, and just odd. Like it's, Makes you sort of think is what was his what was really his plan? Like, did he really want to tank from the beginning? Is that why he's trying to trying to mask things? Or was he just or was he just like didn't care? Like he just thought that he had enough. Um I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle and a little bit of both. I think as much as like as much as it's clear now that the weapons in New England aren't good, I think like Belichick has been trying to move on at quarterback for a couple years now. So I think he thought that was part of their bottleneck as of last year. Um, and that's turned out to not really be true. So yeah, things are getting really weird in new England. I mean, at the stage, at the stage they're at now, I don't know what it's, whether it's worth <laughs> winning, winning many more games. I, I am excited to watch them on Monday against the Jets just to really get a good, really get another good look at cam um he's been getting a lot of slander for um not having played well in recent weeks um and which is true but i think i think obviously playing the jets is a get right week but i i think having a primetime game is also a really good opportunity to take a closer look at him and see how well how his decision making is and being able to help pinpoint the blame a little bit but other than that, yeah, I complete, completely agree with you. Um, things are not looking up in New England at all. I don't really know 
how really how they bounce back from this. I guess it really depends on where they draft. We just got to tank, grab fields, <laughs> and let's let's reroll the da- dynasty. <laughs> the funny thing about the draft too is, when was the last time? When was the last time Bill Belichick has hit on the first round pick? Quite a few years now. Like, yeah, unless unless they're drafting really high and it's a no brainer. Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about that too. So, hopefully, hopefully they do tank and maybe maybe they do get Fields. Maybe Cam has a better second half and stays. Maybe, and then they can trade down that pick and try to build build a team. Maybe some of those guys come. Some of those guys that opted out come back. I think the opt outs are a really big deal. Like they really just did just lose like their core, the heart. You lose Brady, and then all of like the important pieces minus Gilmore on the defense you lose as well it's just yeah I, I think we should have seen this coming we just expected because of who they were that this wouldn't happen but it did happen and uh, so it's weird it's a weird 2020 season the Patriots are bad <laughs> yeah it's it's not even really like it's the way they're kind of losing these games that it's it's just really really sad. Like that Niners game, there is no reason that game should have been that much of a blowout. I the the defensive tackling was just atrocious. When have you seen a Belichick led team? Even yo he I was of the belief that he could probably coach me up to be able to tackle well in the NFL. And it's just been sloppy. Even in the Bills game, we saw them not not wrapping up these runners. And it's it's just it's pretty sad to see. But we'll see what happens. They're gonna have a lot of cap cap space. And <laughs> that's that sounds funny. They're gonna have a lot of cap, but <laughs> they'll have a lot of cap space going into next season. So we'll see what moves they can make. Uh moving into another really bad team. Dallas Cowboys this season I have as my biggest disappointment this was a team that we were expecting to be incredible offensively um, with all the weapons that they had surrounding Dak obviously Dak goes down that's a, that's really bad it's really bad for the Cowboys but I think the issues were are a lot deeper than that and they started to show even before Dak's injury the defense was just atrocious the defense was horrible, 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 horrible defense. Um, <laughs> they, I, I don't know what they're gonna do about. Is it Mike Nolan is the defensive coordinator in in Dallas? Um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I don't know how they <laughs> move on. <laughs> can, it's so bad. I can't. I can't even pinpoint pinpoint a specific problem. But the defense is horrible. They're now working with a third string quarterback because An- Andy Dalton first was concussed and now got COVID. So just every, every which way things could be bad in, in Dallas, Zeke fumbling has like every which way, like Stephen A says, well, what can go wrong will go wrong. And this year that was everything. So uh, (laughs) Dallas's season is probably over and they have now to have to start thinking about, um, what, what they want to do in the draft or, if they want to try to try to win games still. 
Yeah, I have to agree there. I was expecting, I had them going 11 and 5 before the season started and winning their division. And, you know, they had that really slow start against the Rams. And then they come back to beat the Falcons. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe there is something there. Maybe this defense isn't too bad because they only gave up 20 points to the Rams in week one. And then from there, it was just absolutely downhill. They got trashed by the Browns. And just in re- I don't know why they keep putting them in prime time. Honestly, <laughs> NFL, please. These games are atrocious to watch. I do not want to see this. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh my goodness. They're giving up 33.3 points per game. You are not going to win <laughs> any games if your defense is giving up 33 points a game. No matter what. No matter how good your offense is, that is just not sustainable. And really... Dak was putting this team on his back, really. They could have beat the Seahawks with him in the lineup and then just unfortunate. And now it's, what do you do? Because the Eagles are looking like the best team in, in the NFC East right now. They still have a quarterback they believe in, even though he's not been playing well. But they have the, <laughs> I can't believe Carson Wentz is the best quarterback in the NFC East at this moment. And that's probably why the Eagles are going to win. And now the Cowboys, what do you do? Are you going to keep Mike McCarthy? What's going to happen? Do you just tank? What's going to happen with Dax's mm-hmm. contract? It's just it's just mm-hmm. a huge mess. And then you have Zeke trying to do too much and fumbling the ball. It's just it's a recipe for disaster. And I don't know how they come out of it. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of people talking about the record being so bad that they could get a Lawrence or a Fields. I don't think that's the right way to go. I mean, yeah, you get a good quarterback on a rookie contract and then you have the cap, like Dak, Dak moves on, you have the cap space to build the defense. I prefer that they keep Dak, trade one of the receivers, so trade Amari Cooper or Gallup or CD. They, they overdid it on offense. Like, they don't need that much and you can't just outscore people. Um, in the NFL, you have to have somewhat of a defense. I think you, you, I think you trade one of those guys and get, get a good defensive player plus a pick or two, um, and then you can kind of start use that to start rolling, um, start getting, start building a proper defense. I, I think you do get a, a, dif- a different defensive coordinator as well. Um, I, I think they just they, they definitely need to make some changes um, if their if their pick is top five. You could with the top five pick, you can get the best defensive player available, or you could trade down a bit and get a couple good defensive players that you really like. So that's uh, something has to change. But the interesting about the Patriots and interesting about the Cowboys is that they're a bad team this year that could be really good next year. Like the turnaround doesn't have to be slow, right? They they have enough. They've had enough bad things happen to them that you can't just expect all those bad things to happen again. Like 10 guys aren't going to opt out and your quarterback ideally who's never gotten hurt before ideally won't get hurt again. So it could be a quick turnaround if, if both teams and uh, front offices make, make the right decisions, which a lot of times they don't, to be honest. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) And if we're going to have to watch so many games with them, I hope they'd be at least. (laughs) I want to watch good football here. So fingers crossed at one o'clock. And they never play like the morning games. Like you could count, like it's like a couple games a season. It's worst case is usually the middle or a primetime game. So 
Got yeah. a while. Watch a lot of Dallas. So fingers crossed they get it together. And moving on to our top three MVP candidates, pretty much halfway through the season. And for me, there's really only a few that can win it at this point, with one being just <laughs> light years ahead of the rest. But I'll begin the countdown. At number three, might be surprising to people, but I have Patrick Mahomes because he's done the most winning out of people who I think deserve to be in the can in the MVP candidacy. People would say, oh, Ben Roethlisberger is undefeated, but he's not. You know, he doesn't have that MVP feel to him, and I think you'd agree. But I have Mahomes here because he's done the most winning, 7-1 record. He's playing well, and his stats, I have to say, they're a lot cleaner than what, the way he's actually played. He's had like eight dropped interceptions. That's <laughs> unheard of kind of luck. And maybe it'll catch up to him in the second half of the season. Maybe it won't. But, you know, he's game managed when needed, like that Broncos game where, you know, special teams are scoring, the defense is scoring. He's not turning the ball over, so he's doing his job. And he stepped up when he's needed to. Like the Ravens game, he made some unbelievable throws. And he's second in the league in passing touchdowns. He's only got that one interception, although a lot have been dropped. And, yeah, I can't, I can't argue with him being number three. At number two, I have the person who has the best narrative to win MVP. And, you know, that's a big factor because the media eats this stuff up and they love to push for that awesome story, that Cinderella story. And that person right now is Tom Brady with the Tampa Bay Bucks sitting at six and two. New team, new system, new supporting cast, pandemic. He's 43 years old and he's still balling. He's a top five quarterback. I would say right now, top three, PFF would agree. And it's just amazing to see the leadership and the accountability he's brought to the team with the worst winning percentage in NFL history. It's just insane. Considering his supporting cast hasn't even been healthy. Godwin has played like 12 full quarters. Evans has been injured. Fournette's been in and out. And then this team adds Antonio Brown. So his numbers could even see a bigger jump. He currently has 20 touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, only four interceptions, and he has a 103.1 rating, which is better than I really thought he would have coming into this season. And there's a big chance for this team to even get better and grow stronger together. So I have Tom Brady at number two. He's got good numbers, and he has the best story. And at number one, by a very huge margin, I have Russell Wilson, because he has the absolute best numbers. And I think... Of these three guys, he has the worst defense. So he has a chance to keep putting up these video games num video game numbers due to his atrocious defense. He's balling out of his mind. He has a chance to break the passing touchdown record or at least hit 50. And he's leading the best offense in the league. And so far, he's been unstoppable. Just dropping points on people. Belichick couldn't stop him. The Cardinals really couldn't stop him. It was Russ throwing those picks that stopped that team from winning. And even still, he's he had a 94 passer rating while throwing three three picks. That never really happens, but he he made up for it, and they were in that game. Unfortunately, they lost, but that happens when he, he's literally your offense. 
he's looked amazing too, passing the eye test, those deep balls to Lockett, DK, absolutely unreal. So I can't, it, there's no debate with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks being at six and two, six and one. Yeah, no, your picks are really good. I think Green Bay's defense will have something to say about the worst defense out of the top, out of your top three. Um, I think they're doing their best to try to try to catch up to Seattle there, but but um, no, all good points, all good all good points for all three. I will start from. Oh, do you want to do your your honorable mentions? Oh yeah, um, honorable net mentions. I have Aaron Rodgers. The Green Bay Packers are currently five and two. I think he's doing the most with the least outside of Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, who have both been injured. He has a very mediocre cast, but he's still been able to beat the bad teams. But when the Packers meet up with the physical teams, like we saw with the Tampa Bay Bucks and Minnesota just running all over that team, it could get dicey. I don't know if he'll win enough to really be like vault into the top three. His numbers are still very good, but you know, it's just not passing the eye test at the moment. The MVP usually goes to the best player on the best team. And I don't think the Packers are really going to win enough to really put him in that conversation. And I also have Derek Henry, who's five and two and the Tennessee Titans have been doing really well, better than people really expected. He has 775 rushing yards, which is 123 more than second place. And he's already had his bye week. And he's literally the soul of that offense. And he's been able to revive Tannehill's career with just Tannehill play action. You have to bite because you have to stop Derrick Henry. And it's letting Tannehill throw all over the place. And that offense has been doing really well. They lost their last two games, which does hit your MVP candidacy a bit but maybe maybe he'll be able especially as a running back people like that it is a quarterback driven league but it would be cool to see a running back in that conversation yeah i, I like those honorable mentions it's nice to have a running back in there um even though i agree with you it's an it's very much an outside shot but derrick henry has been balling out so far okay my top three we have the same number three at, with Patrick Mahomes. Um, numbers are numbers are looking really good so far. I think what he's going to struggle with in this conversation probably for the next few years is can he can he do better than 2018, which is really which is a really high bar to cover. Which is why I think he's going to struggle unless no one else is balling out, which I think is, is he's going to struggle to get his his next MVP, but. Like you said, he's second in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns. Um, he's the top QBR in the league, um, second best passer rating in the league. His 21 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio so far is the best all time, like by a mile. Actually, the second best is Brady's in 2016. Um, his ratio was 14. Obviously, we're only halfway through the season and his interception numbers are probably going to start to pick up a bit, but halfway through the season for the gap to even be that big is really, really impressive. Um, and his team is tied for the most wins because um, the Pittsburgh Steelers have already had their bye. So yeah, the most doing a lot of winning, like you said, um, numbers looking really good. Um, but like you said as well, some games his team 
doesn't really need him. So it's not as flashy. Um, when you look at games like the Bills game where they were just running the ball a lot and other games where the defense um, also steps up quite a bit. So there's not a lot of that crazy special like Patrick Mahomes stuff that we usually see. We still see a lot of gl- a lot of glimpses of that as well. But it's, I think it's something that the league is a little bit more used to. Uh, number two, I still have Aaron Rodgers um, just because I want to drive home the point a little bit more of doing the most with the least. He is carrying a team with not only a bad defense, but as a whole, not great weapons. You look at Devontae Adams and then who else, really? Like for him to really elevate guys like Tanyan, to elevate guys like um, Marcos Valdez-Scantling, um, I think is really impressive. And obviously they still have Aaron Jones a bit banked up right now, but Aaron Jones coming out the backfield is a really good asset to have as well. But once again, Aaron Rodgers stuck with a, with a defense that's really bad, um, a really bad run defense, but still able to win most of the games. We started to see them drop a couple. Um, they looked really bad against Tampa, and they did not look good against Dalvin Cook and the Vikings. So that the, the defensive stuff is starting to catch up to him. But I think with what he has on offense, how he's able to elevate that group is something that's really impressive and his numbers still still okay um even with the tampa game in there third and pass rating second second qbr um so aaron Rodgers is gonna slimly stick at number two for me and number one is obviously russell wilson we say this almost every week (laughs) um but most passing touchdowns on pace for the most ever 26 and 6 touchdown interception ratio is where i think he's gonna start to Things are getting a little bit because he had three picks in prime time. I think that was a little bit ugly. I think he's going to have to try and keep the interceptions down. But he did that in the most recent game. I don't think he threw any. And I think that's something that he is conscious of and is not going to continue. But um, the best passer rating uh, as well as um, quite a quite a bit of uh, rushing yards as well, 260 so far, uh, which we expect from him. But it's something that some of the other quarterbacks aren't really offering. So... Russell Wilson, easily the MVP so far, still halfway through the year. Um, they're, in, they're in a lot of shootouts, so he gets to keep up these numbers. And there is that feeling of him never having a vote before. There's a bit of a story there as well where people think, Russell Wilson, 10, 10 years in the league and never had an MVP vote. People are really coming around and really wanting to give give it to him. Um, so I, I, think, I think he's far and away the favorite. I missed my chance to bet on him to make 15 times my money at the time, just before <laughs> the season started. 15 times, put $100. But if I had put $100, so that's a little bit sad, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, My honorable mentions, so we had a big debate about if we should do top three, top five. I have Brady at four um, officially, and the reason why I have that is because like you like you said, I think he is the best story of everyone in my five. Uh, I have Kyler, Kyler Murray at number five, by the way. But I can't think of the last MVP that we had in the league, in the NFL at least, where there was a nice story, but the numbers weren't necessarily... Like, every MVP that we've had in the most recent year, in the most recent years, has had something numbers-wise that was really impressive. Last year, it was Lamar Jackson. Two years ago, it was um, Patrick Mahomes. And as nice as the story is, and I do think that that's something that is 
often talked about. I can't, I don't, I don't really think that the MVP is going to be given to him unless there's something really impressive in his numbers that can really at least match um, the other guys that I've listed. So that's why I currently have him at four, but I do think he is playing really, really well at 43 on a new team. Um, you could tell really elevating that team to get them to more, build more of like a, more of a championship culture. They're adding AB. They have an, I would say they have like an embarrassment of riches, um, <laughs> a solid, de- solid, solid defense, uh, probably the defensive rookie of the year as well. So uh, Tampa Bay is just rolling right now. And uh, Brady's a big part of that. And to, absolutely deserves his credit my other honorable mention is kyler kyler murray uh very much still an outside shot but he has so of all the rushing yards in the league including running backs and everybody that plays football um kyler murray is 14th in rushing in the entire league ahead of mal sanders and alvin Kamara with four uh 437 yards so far so and more rushing yards than lamar jackson so i think that's something that um, is really impressive how much of a dual threat he is. He just needs to clean up the passing a little bit more and be a little bit more accurate. But having Hopkins on his team has really, really helped him. Um, has really helped him a lot in his numbers because they've developed a really good connection. And I think Kyler, uh, the Arizona offense is one that once things start really clicking, and I do think they have a pretty good defense, um, that Kyler has somewhat of an outside shot to kind of um, vault himself into the conversation. And that's my top five. What are your critiques? Okay, so my I didn't have Kyler Murray in my top five just because of the interceptions. He has seven mm. through seven games. So that's on pace for 16 in the entire season. And that's just way too many, especially in this type of, and a like passing league where interceptions are at an all-time low. Defenses can't really be physical with these receivers. I just think that's that's too many to have. Um, his other numbers are great, and I'd probably have him top eight, top eight or so right now. I would actually put Tannehill above him, even though I say mm. like if you have two MVP candidates on one team, they kind of cancel each other out. Cancel. Yeah. But, like, Tannehill uh, is a nice story, too. Like, getting away from Adam Gase and then reviving his career. But I just think if Kyler wants to win it, he's going to – those interceptions are going to have to drop in half. And his passing numbers are going to be – have to be a little bit better. Like, the rushing is great, but, you know, when Lamar won it, he led the league in touchdowns. When Cam Newton won the MVP, he was balling out to passing the football. And I just yeah. don't think his numbers are quite there. And then I also for com- okay. no, I was just gonna say I think I think that's completely fair, but I also think that's something that he has in him. Like he was known as a really accurate quarterback coming out of college. Actually, like he was, that's why he was first overall pick. Was just he he just seemed like a guy that could do everything, other than the fact that he was really short. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I I think that's something that he has in him. So I do think that there's potential coming off a bye um, for Arizona to start to for him to start throwing really well um, coming into this week. He also has, I mean, seven seven interceptions. That's so far only one more than Russ, right? And he has seven rushing touchdowns, which I think the next highest quarterback to have is, is Josh Allen at four. So if he keeps the rushing touchdowns com- coming, that's pretty that's really impressive as well. But points well taken. Yeah, he does 
Um, he does have a lot of growing to do and a lot of improvement. It's only a second year. Maybe he has uh, more of a better chance going into year three. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Lamar's numbers through you know seven games last year weren't really that impressive. They were mm-hmm. still they were five and two, and then they won out. So if Kyler is able to do that, then the whole narrative changes really. And you know, MVP is so recency biased. Like if <laughs> Russell Wilson falls off. In the second half, everyone's going to completely forget He's about done. him. And that yeah. that's what happened last year, you know. He was, I think he had like 21 touchdowns or so through the first half of the season. Yeah. And then they tapered off and people forgot about him. Didn't even get a vote. So the second half is really where you see MVPs get made. And mm-hmm. all these guys have a really good chance. And you also, you mentioned that Tom Brady's numbers weren't there. And I'm confused about that. He has one less touchdown than Mahomes and he has since week three he has a 17 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio which is best in the NFL and he just won NFC offensive player of the month so I don't know (laughs) why you say the numbers aren't there well I mean when you're looking at half the year we're looking at eight weeks that we have so far we we can't we can't start at week three like i think all the all like the the bad the 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 getting used the first two games where he was still getting used to things i think Mm -hmm. those are still really important and i think how he's won is also something that has to be taken into account as well he's had a few really good games but i didn't find the um the green bay game and the most recent game against the giants to be they won the games, of course, but to be really impressive play from him, mm-hmm. um, in terms of, I mean, he obviously did what the team what the team needed, but I don't know when you look at when you look at and some of the stats that you don't like, but when you look at QBR, when you look at passer rating, um, passer, passer rating, rating is one hundred three point one. Uh, yeah, he's at one hundred three, but I think I think he's ranked ninth so far. Mm-hmm. And I think at QBR, he's four, it's at 14. 14 is just about half, right? Like half quarterback. QBR the is the worst stat that has ever been created in football. It is like you literally cannot quantify what is in QBR. And I know ESPN guys love to use that, but that is absolutely atrocious. I think Russ think is I... like, Russ is what, like fifth in QBR? Um, I believe he's, he's, he's top three. He's, he's third. He's third. He's third. So when you third, look at Q- Russ, should be in no way. Like I don't even know what is in QBR. It's, <laughs> it's you're right. ESPN guys, guys like to use QBR because ESPN invented the stat. Like ESPN created QBR actually. Yeah, um, it's it's terrible. If we're being honest, I, I I think I think that's fair. If you don't like QBR, I think for me when I when I put everything all together, um. If you combine QBR and passer rating, Ross Rogers Mahomes are top three on both groups of stats. They just trade places. So when you t- well, like taking both of them into account and looking at everything holistically, it's hard to it's hard to drop one of them um, below Brady right now. And obviously, Brady's story is better than any any of the three of them, but. I think then that just comes to how much you weigh you weigh one over the other. Um, yeah. But QBR has Ryan Fitzpatrick as a top five quarterback. 
Uh, I think he has him pretty high. I think is it five? Yeah, he's five. He's five. I mean, he <laughs> was balling out before he got benched. Like he wasn't playing poorly. They just they bench him because they need to see what they have with Tua. Um, I mean, was he was he a top five quarterback in football? No, but Ryan Fitzpatrick's pass rating probably isn't that high, which is why I made sure to go and look at both, um, and, and combine the two, as opposed to uh, just looking at one. Lamar Jackson is nineteenth below Philip Rivers. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I QBR just burn it with fire, toss it out the window. And if if you're saying QBR, you're saying game. I'm pretty sure that Packers game Brady had like a 96 QBR because I remember Skip Bayless using that. But you said he game managed, so it's like, <laughs> what is the truth? Like, let's just toss QBR out the window. And like you say, game managing too. And you know that Patriots game, Mahomes did not look good. He should have had like three picks, but you know he got those two. Little little touchdowns, you know, just toss it forward, pat his stats a little bit. And then that Denver game, they didn't need him at all. They would have won that game with the uh the special teams and the defensive scoring. And then he's only really even the opener, he hasn't really looked that special. He played the Jets and looked amazing, but that's the Jets, you know. And I'm just saying, especially for MVP. It's such a, like, you love that narrative. That's why Peyton Manning has five, because people are just like, oh, uh, is there anyone with a good story? No, let's just give it to Peyton Manning. (laughs) And he just collected five of them. So it's, we'll see. I really hope Russell Wilson gets it, because then it'll further my juvies as a dome merchant (laughs) agenda, and I would love that. But, yeah. We can agree Uh, to disagree on Brady's numbers. I just... Like QBR is, I would toss that in fire and I would never look at it again. Yeah, we can agree to disagree on that. I think, I think we're, we still fall into the same boat in that uh, Russ is, Russ is leading and it's not particularly close right now. Um, second and third, like most people aren't even talking about like the outside shot guys that we're debating right now. Like people are really talking about Russ. People are, people started talking about Brady. People started talking about Mahomes, but uh, I, I think we both want Russ getting this one. It, he he very much deserves it. Um, so hopefully, it's his hopefully that's, lose, what, that's what so end up, ends up happening. It's his it to is lose, his to lose. So hopefully... it's his lose. But that was a really good point you made about last year, second half of the season. I remember he was balling. I remember now he was balling out the first half of the season, and it was neck and neck with Lamar. And in the second half, Lamar kind of continued uh, his streak. He had big wins against the Patriots and like a couple other big wins. And then Russ kind of faded off a little bit and he was just forgotten. Like it wasn't even, it was crazy. Like he was just absolutely forgotten. So hopefully we love that our recency bias. <laughs> yeah. I, we could have like the MVP could just be now be starting to get decided. Um, like going into this Sunday, the second half. So uh, that, that was, that was an excellent point. It'd be, it'd be really interesting to see what happens. And speaking of the rest of the season, we can move on to our notable games for week nine. We've got some really good matchups here, which will affect some playoff seeding, and as well, some teams who haven't been looking so great in recent weeks trying to bounce back. And we've got division rivals trying to set their claim on their respective divisions. And 
It's going to be lots of juicy stuff. And kicking it, kicking it off, on Sunday, we've got the Ravens versus the Colts. These are two five and two teams. And the Ravens have not been looking so great the last two weeks. They had a really, or the last three weeks, they had a bye. But they almost let the Eagles come back and win a game, a game against them. And of course, they lost to the Steelers, in which Lamar did not look great. So they'll be looking to bounce back. And the Colts have been quietly, steadily winning games, sitting at 5-2 and two right now, and they've got one of the best defenses in the league. So I think this will be a low-scoring game. And the key for me is if the Ravens can continue their outrageous rushing attack. They're first in the NFL with 179 yards per game, but the Colts are second in the NFL in stopping the run, allowing only 80 yards per game. So if the Ravens could come out like they did against the Steelers, just rush all over this team while protecting the football. I don't think this game is going to be in doubt. I have the Ravens winning 24 to 13 and Philip Rivers doesn't really scare me against a very stout Ravens team as well. Yeah. Indianapolis Colts getting Darius Leonard back this week, I think is going to be huge for the defense. Um, we saw the defense take a bit of a hit the past couple of weeks with him not in the lineup, but I think, I think now they're going to, Come back to come back to early season form that we saw them, but I agree. I agree with you overall. I think this is a get right week for the Ravens, regardless. Um, I don't trust Philip Rivers to move the ball well enough against against the Ravens defense, and Jonathan Taylor has been a bit banged up as well um, at the starting running back position. So uh, we saw last week against a really good run defense in the Pittsburgh Steelers that the Ravens were still able to scheme their way into moving the ball really well. Um, in the in the run game, and I think a similar thing is going to happen again this week. I think the Colts are going to, I think the Ravens are going to be able to scheme their way into get into running the ball well again against another good defense. And uh, I, I don't think it'll come down to one play with Lamar throwing the ball like the Steelers were able to get it to. I think the Ravens are going to be able to get up get up ahead and score um, a lot earlier in the football game. I have them twenty four seventeen. And moving on to the Seahawks versus the Bills. The Seahawks are 6-1. and one, And unfortunately, they lost against the Cardinals, won against the 49ers. Although Nick Mullins was able to move the ball against the, the Seahawks late in that game. Although they were playing prevent. So maybe the Bills could look at some of the plays that they were running to be able to manufacture some points. And the Bills have been very, very sus this year. They're six and two, but their point differ- differential is minus one. And the Dolphins actually have a much better point dif- differential at 50, plus 58 in that same division. So it's going to be really interesting to see if the Bills can actually finish off and wrap up this division. They've been very, very suspect. And Josh Allen has kind of fallen off from the first four weeks where he was looking like a genuine MVP candidate but he's been turning the ball over lately and not really throwing the ball as well as we saw that those first four weeks. And for me, this just comes down to, again, Russell Wilson playing unbelievable and no one has shown that they'll be able to slow him down. And the mistakes in that Cardinal in that Cardinal game was really, you know, throwing the ball, maybe the, not the best decisions. There was a little bit of mis- miscommunication with his receivers as well on that last pick that kind of caused this, the Seahawks that game. So we'll see how they come out. I think the Seahawks win this one 31-24. 
And I don't think it's going to be really particularly close. I think the Bills maybe get a garbage time touchdown. But I just don't think Josh Allen can be enough of a hero to match Russ blow for blow. Yeah, this is his last week to prove it for me. This is the last week where we're going to find out if the Bills really are contenders or are pretenders because the record still looks good at 6-2, and but um, they have not looked good playing football. And one of those wins came against the Jets, which is just a win for everyone. So... Yeah, Josh Allen needs to return back into that into the into the form that we saw him when we thought he was an MVP candidate early in the season, and we just have not seen great things from him recently. He's really tapered off in his production. Um, a game against the Seahawks, which is likely going to be a shootout, we'll see if he's able to if he's able to try and keep up with Russ. But I agree with you; I I don't think he'll be able to. Um, and I have the Seahawks winning thirty to twenty four. But if they keep it close, maybe the Bills still look like a a good team but if it's not close at all if it's kind of like if the seahawks just roll them like we saw them roll uh the 49ers this last this past week then then i don't think the bills the bills are um are as strong a contenders as as we thought they might be yep and they kind of really need this game to keep ahead of the miami dolphins who are looking really resurgent and They've got a really good defense there now. I think they're mm-hmm. they've yeah. let up the least amount of points in the NFL. Of course, they played one less game than most teams, but very bright future. And if Tua is able to be who the team believes he can be, the playoffs might be in reach for that team. So the Bills they need to do their job and keep that division in check if they want teams to fear them going into the playoffs. And lastly, we've got probably the biggest game so far this yep. season with the Bucks and the Saints. And obviously this has a lot to do with Drew Brees, Tom Brady, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and you know, the upstart Bucks going against the Saints, who have been running that division for the past few years now. And it comes down to the Bucks. You know, if they want to win a Super Bowl, you have to win your division. And this game obviously means more to the Bucks team, and they got whooped in week one. But I feel like no preseason, no off-season workouts was a factor in that game. They just looked completely out of sync. Three turnovers where the Saints got 17 points off those turnovers. And I think the Bucks get payback here. And I think they actually win in a reverse of the score from week one. I, I have them 34-23. And I'm assuming Godwin is going to play because if Godwin doesn't play, maybe the Bucks eke one out 26-23. I think it'll be much closer if Godwin does not play. But for me, the factor in this game is that Drew Brees, he's not been able to push the ball downfield. And that has been shown to be a weakness of this Bucks defense. Like last Monday, they should have lost. They would have lost by 20 if any competent quarterback was playing and could have seen those open guys just streaking downfield for surefire touchdowns. And, you know, even with Emmanuel Sanders or Michael Thomas back, I don't think they're going to have that ability with Drew Brees. It is outdoor. The weather is going to be much warmer than Chicago, but I just have no faith in his arm. He actually has less attempts of 20 plus yards than Brady has completions. Breeze only has 11 attempts. Brady has 17 completions of 20 plus yards, which is pretty crazy considering Brady's older and he was the one that was supposed to be washed up. But 
it's still it's still really <laughs> it's still a really scary game for the Bucks because the Saints are much better coached. They have a much better track record, history, everything. But I think I think the Bucks come out. They tighten things up, especially with almost losing that game to the Giants, because I think that's going to wake them up. And yeah, I also think AB catches a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a pretty realistic prediction. Um, to get all your Drew B's slander out in that one, <laughs> to get it all out. It's, do we no sma- have the, it's, it's facts. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to have the Drew B's conversation right now? <laughs> um, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> okay. We'll talk Drew Brees another time in terms of the football game. Um, a lot of your points are well taken. I think the Bucks are going to tighten things up from from week one, and I don't think it's going to be uh, kind of like a, a bad beat like it was that week. I think that the Bucks have have things rolling on offense a lot more, and their defense is probably even even cleaner that, than it was that first week. So, for on the Saints side of things, though, I think I think this game comes down to Michael Thomas. Um, Michael Thomas got a limited practice in today on Thursday, so is on track to maybe make his return this week and play. And I think, I think that's going to be a big make a big difference for Jubies because, like you said, he's not throwing the ball far. But those short throws, all going to Alvin Kamara now, at least before, were split between two playmakers, which was Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. So I think if he gets Slant Boy back, um, that's going to help him get make get some of his production up. And that's going to make the game even closer. Assuming no Michael Thomas, I like the Bucks to win this game 27-24. Um, with Michael Thomas, I think I think then the Saints have have a chance to win the football game. Yeah, I think it it's really going to come down to which team makes more mistakes. Now the Bucks realize mm-hmm. they can't make mistakes against the Saints team if they want to beat them. And they need to play clean football. In recent weeks, they've been playing pretty clean. They've only had that one turnover with the Ronald Jones fumble in the last three games. And they've been having very low penalties, seven penalties over three weeks compared to 11 penalties in week one against the Saints. So that's going to be very important. If the Bucks play clean, I don't really see them losing this game. But if things get out of hand and they're turning the ball over, then the Saints are definitely a team that will capitalize on that. But it'll be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good one, and this is going to be a really big game um, come week 17 to see who's going to be at the top of the division. So definitely a game that I think both both teams are going to take really seriously, and um, Sunday night prime time, it's going to be really fun. Whoop, whoop. We'll see if the Bucks can shake off their prime time curse. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll see if this team is actually really different from the rest. But yeah, that covers it for our podcast this week. We really hope you guys can stick with us. It's going to be very interesting stuff coming down to this with this season and we'll keep you updated on all the news and all the games and all the stories, so be sure to stick with us and tell your friends about us, recommend us to your peeps so we can keep going. Thank you. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. We really appreciate your support. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at what's the play 12 and on Instagram at what's underscore the play. So you can stay up to date with all our content. We want to say thank you again for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.